You were listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica. Episode 63. I'm Jessica Pearson, Certified Life Coach. And I'm Beth Barnett-Babel, Integrative Nutrition Therapist. We're both in unusual places. I'm at the office, which I almost never come to because I prefer working from home. Yes. But it's nice here. So Beth is still in Japan. You've been going on lots of adventures. I think you said you haven't had as much space to think as you thought you would. So, are you guys going to do any days where you just are lazy or? Well, yeah, because when the kids have... are home needing to do school. So when they're home doing school, yesterday was very rainy and chilly and it's not great. And so I didn't do much. Like I went to the coffee shop to do some work and then puts around. It was pouring down rain. So I had to like shop in the little stores for nothing. I needed nothing. I window shopped for an hour. And you didn't buy I, anything? Well, I bought chopstick holders as little gifts. That's so cute. So there's this really fun store called Today's Special. That's the name of the store. And so there's a few things that seem to be there all the time, but then there's like things that like rotate through. And so you could go like almost every day and it would be a little bit different. That's exciting. It sounds like they know how to hit the dopamine. They do. <laughs> they have figured it out. So I went there to go see what today's special was. Oh, they have a, a big bookstore. And so I got Japanese cookbooks. But I can only use them in Google Translate because, one... They're in they, Japanese. They're in Japanese. They, so they flip backwards. So this is like... That's how I read a magazine anyway. Yeah, it's perfect for you. It's so beautiful, but everything is in Japanese. I decided it was worth translating it every time. So I got this one and a bento box one because bentos, as I've told you many times, are my favorite favorite. And mm -hmm. this is the best bento box book I have seen yet because I have several and none of them are as good as this one. So I had to get I it. I saw your photos of you in the cooking class and it was bringing back culinary school vibes. Remember That's when we had that teacher and we did the Japanese class and yeah. you cutting tofu into like a pretty flower? It was just awesome. It was awesome. It did feel good to be back in the culinary style learning environment and I asked about macrobiotics because you know it was one of our main things that we learned in culinary school was about macrobiotics and she says there is still some around but it's not like ever present in the population here either sad anymore. it is well, sad. I saw you eating natto which we learned about in school and all these things are coming back and it just looks fun it does it is fun mm -hmm. so it's good it's good everything's good We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining the light on it and sharing it with you. And our segment is also our topic today because we both saw this in the media a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it started in social media and then we started to have a slow conversation. And when I mean slow, we're just Marco Poloing back and forth over a long period of time. But we had seen these things where specifically there was one on social media talking about dietitians promoting aspartame. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. trying to say like aspartame is not bad for us. And I mean, I don't even know what they're saying exactly. Yeah. It was a <laughs> counterbalance to the studies that WHO, the World Health Organization, put out saying that aspartame likely causes cancer. They didn't say it definitely did, but they basically said people should avoid this. It's not good. The U.S. has long had a complicated relationship with aspartame. It is on the grass list, which is... Didn't they just declare it recently as a carcinogen, finally? It's considered recognized as safe, but that's like pretty ambiguous. There does have to be some studies done, but it's kind of in that gray area because there are studies that show that there are increases of cancer tumors and things in animals, and, and it's not as conclusive I believe in some of the human studies. And that's because research in humans is complicated and I think very messy, which is a part of our discussion that we're having today. Yeah. Well, so the meme I had seen was like, trust me, I'm a dietitian. So like, how do you know who to trust? And do you feel like these dietitians are giving the good dietitians a bad name? Or what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think they were vilified in ways that like lots of people do these things. Are there a lot of articles coming out about doctors that promote drugs that may or may not be helpful for people like big pharma sponsoring posts? How is this any different than all of the collagen or whatever protein powder? There's just so many. So this isn't really different and there are lots of dietitians. I feel like it's a little different though because we're talking about influencers talking about protein powder that's like a brand those are two brands making an agreement this is like someone with a legit license who's getting paid by the government no they weren't getting paid by the government they were getting paid by the counts by by companies that make aspartame so it wasn't the government they were getting paid by companies And their posts do say hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored post. Is it specifically in there that the ad was paid for by the companies or the council that promotes these alternative sugars? No, it wasn't. But if you have somebody going on there going, this research, because there is one where there's a gal, she's doing the thing with the green screen behind her and it's like this research shows that it's generally recognized as safe like something along those lines and there's all those things and if there's that and then it says hashtag ad then I can very quickly put two and two together it'd be (laughs) the same thing as if these dietitians were promoting cheese or yogurt or things that are all dairy based and it said sponsored post or hashtag ad I'd be like Well, is it a specific brand or is it the Dairy Council? This doesn't take like a rocket scientist to figure out that if it's a sponsored post and what they're talking about, they're not connected. (laughs) You hope so. I mean, there's celebrities promoting pharmaceuticals, which is interesting, right? Right. Yeah. The eyelashes, skin stuff, probiotics, like all sorts of things. To me, it was kind of like this is nothing new it's not new for dietitians it's not new to health professionals it's just a new format when I was thinking about this I was like this is the same as like when people come through traveling salespeople to the town 
And they would be like hawking their wares and be like, I have this magic cure for you. Some people are going to believe that and some people are not. And they'll go on about their day in the town and those traveling people will continue (laughs) on. And so the dietitians are doing the same thing that lots of people have been doing. I think what makes it a little different is that there's no law saying that they had to put that it was paid for by da-da-da. There is speculation on whether or not they needed to say sponsored post by because there's no specific rules to that that I'm aware of. And then just as long as you say it's paid for by. And then also dietitians believe different things. There's a whole huge group of dietitians that believe that Monsanto and GMOs are great and that everybody that believes in them are like the scum of the earth. And they don't understand why we don't believe in Monsanto and GMOs. Yeah, I guess it's like with everything, there's not a blanket of what dietitians think or how they practice, right? So it's up to us to just find someone that aligns with what we want to believe. For a long time, especially when I was going through the RDs, through the dietetic internship in the early 2000s, they were like getting off of this viewpoint of, well, dietitians that I've seen are fat and unhealthy, so why should I believe what a dietitian says? And it's like, well, your doctor also smokes while telling you to quit smoking. (laughs) So it was that whole thing, do as I say, Mm -hmm. not as I do. And I think that's out there in every single part of the health professional gamut. I mean, it's just difficult because the USDA guidelines aren't out there because they're not updated enough like they're updated what every five ten years or something and so the dietitians that are only preaching that just like doctors will only preach something unless there has been a specific study done and proven to show that this is exactly what it is it's like there's a lot of people that just go by the book and they're not really learning anything else outside of that and the book is not always something to be believed in. So (laughs) the thing is that before social media, research articles are very frequently considered sponsored or paid for by an industry group or a company that sells foods or medications or access to, say, a component of a food or something. So if we're looking for, say, example, resveratrol, which is a component found commonly in grapes and other fruits and vegetables that's supposed to be good for inflammation and heart disease and all this other stuff. Well, if somebody is looking to find out if it's helpful or not, a lot of times there is not money in a lab to just be like, I want to study this. They need to find money. So they apply for grants. Or an industry group will even reach out to a research university and be like, can you study this? And so then they fund the salary of the professor and their lab, which includes research assistants and graduate students, PhD students, all work on this question as a group. And sometimes it might even be multiple people in a university setting. So multiple teams, right? And so then they are supposed to not be biased, but they also send their paper before it's published to who paid for it. And at the end, you're supposed to list your disclosure. So you've got a research paper that's got some fancy title on it, the whole lot of p-values and all this research lingo in it that the layperson is not going to be able to understand. And then buried down way at the bottom is the disclosures on 
the people that wrote it. So we're going to throw sugar council. So did the sugar council pay for this post or pay for that research article or are they on the board of a sugar company or the sugar council? Like they're supposed to put their disclosures in there. Do they do that all the time? No, they do get caught from time to time that they didn't put their disclosures in there. But I was just reading an article the other day about how Google goes out to look for companies to do research on things and they pay for these researchers to do things to make their case. And so that way in future years when they get sued or have to go to court for something, then they can back it up with this research, but it's not being disclosed that Google reached out to them to pay for this research. It's, it's no frustrating because I feel like people think it's like, oh, we're conspiracy theorists. But no, it's no like, I'm not being no, a conspiracy. It's just real. <laughs> like, this is no, just how it works and yeah. how it's been working. So, I guess what I meant by government funding was that like the Dairy Council and the Beef Council, like they are getting money from the government. Is that through their grants? I mean, they have lobbyists. Yes, they, they have, have lobbyists. So it's different. Yeah. So they lobby the government officials to be like, hey, my state depends on this dairy industry. I need you to support this bill or not support this bill. It definitely plays a role in the past. I don't know about now, but in the past, those lobbyists and then thus the pressure on the senators and the people that kind of have a say in the bills that get passed, like with the dietary guidelines, it does get influenced for sure. But the team of a wide variety of individuals that are looking at the guidelines. Mm-hmm. Do they get to have their full say 100% on what they think should be in it? No. Some of it gets left out. Gosh, I feel like adulthood is just like a lot of group projects. It is. Suck. This is why, yes. This is why everybody hates it because they know it's going to be terrible <laughs> in the future. But yes, adulthood is group projects. On like steroids. the worst kind of group projects. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not saying it's like good or bad. It just is. But, you know, would you it do happens it? with pharmaceuticals, right? So like yeah. pharmaceuticals, they have to test these things. And so at some point, all those research articles get published and same thing happens. And they go through these journal article processes and they get a lot of money from these companies. And so that's what's keeping all these journal articles operating. Yeah. There's no denying that we need money to circulate to make things happen. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And then like conferences as another example, a lot of the conferences I went to in my early days of dietetics, especially as a student, go and learn everything and see how the whole process works. And individual sessions would be sponsored by the Dairy Council. Was the topic specifically about dairy? Not always. And Beef Council, Monsanto, I saw all of it. And then when you go to the American Dietetic Association Industry Annual Conference, the floor, which is not sponsored to specific talks, continuing education credits. Oh my gosh, it's like all the food companies. But it's funny because you'll have like Kraft and McDonald's and then you'll also have like the Avocado Council. And remember the grapes, you know, the the dancing grapes? Like those are all there and there's products for kidney disease and for diabetes and there's just like all sorts of things but that's at every single industry conference whether you're in tech or whatever the companies are going to be there where the people that are in that industry are i mean would you do it if like big 
oil came to you and was like, hey, we want to sponsor you so you can write a book. And in your book, you talk about canola oil. Like, would you do it? No, because they would have a say in it. And my beliefs about canola oil are not what they want me to say. They'd be like, well, no, this doesn't work. So that did happen. Like I've seen another dietitian's Instagram accounts where they get invited to go to the rapeseed farms and to learn about rapeseed and da 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 and then talk about canola oil. And so the trip gets paid for and then they get invited to that. Do they get actual like spending money after that? No, they usually don't. It's usually like come have a free trip and learn about this stuff. And people are like, well, sure, it sounds great. It happens with dairy farms and all sorts of stuff. And I would do it if I believed in the product and I yeah. use the product. But canola oil, I think, has a very limited use. Yeah. yeah. There is research about how it is inflammatory. It is more omega-6 than omega-3. And we need more omega-3s than we need omega-6s. So no, I wouldn't do it because I know that I wouldn't get to have my full say. Yeah, I think about the dietitians doing the aspartame or whatever. I feel like they're on this, you know, we're the anti-diet dietitians that are like saying like we can't demonize anything or any food, so we might as well hop on this bandwagon, but it's like can I be anti-diet and also not promote aspartame? Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, they may genuinely believe that. Totally. That it's fine and that it causes cancer is not true, right? So we all get to decide whether we believe a scientific paper is true or not. And there's a lot of really bad research out there. How does a lay person decide who to work with? (laughs) Knowing this and knowing that every dietitian has their own point of view. I mean, I'm in the wild, wild west of life coaching. I mean, how does anybody know that like, I'm gonna guide them in the right direction versus somebody else? I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit and be like, who can we trust? Yeah, I think that's really difficult, honestly. I think you have to check in with what do I believe and why? And does this person seem trustworthy? And then as I start to implement it, do they do the things that they say? And how does that land with me? So an example that just came to me is it's sort of like when you go see a new therapist, right? Like you get to try them out. Yeah. Because on their website and everything else, they seem like a good fit. It's like, oh, I like this kind of style and whatever. And you go and you try them out and you're like, oh, this is actually not a good fit. And that's okay. You get to leave that therapist. The same thing with our doctors, right? If you believe that you can only get better by pills and medications through pharmaceuticals, then you will go to a doctor that provides you with pills and medication. And there's always another way. It's also like saying there are health professionals out there that don't believe in modern medicine of chemotherapy and things like that for cancer treatment. Now, do I think that that's true? I think that there's a and there's a both. I think there's a point where there is some modern medicine we need to put in with chemotherapy. And I think we need to give our body everything it can heal. Right. So I think you can do both. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's kind of the key for finding someone in my mind is I look for people who are not like obsessed with one specific dogma, right? Like someone that's like, this is the one way, this is the only way. And if it's not my way, then I can't help you. That's always been kind of a red flag for me. Right. Exactly. And I think one of the things that we do is we ask people, they'll be like, well, tell me. And I'm like, well, what do you think? 
Yeah. And then we have a conversation about, okay, you've thought about this this way, but tell me why. And then I'm going to give you my viewpoint on it. And then let's find something that is potentially somewhere in the middle. Now, if they're being downright dangerous with like bad information, I then send them as much research as I can to be like, hey, this is why I believe this. Do I think it's right? I have no idea. And a response I also give is everything is always within the realm of possibility because if I find facts to something, I can also find facts to discredit it. Totally. I mean, I think that's why people are so confused because they're like, so-and-so I trusted told me this and this other person I trusted told me this. And like, how do I know? And I'm usually like, you just got to try one. You just right. got to pick one and do it and do it for a couple of weeks and then see if you like it or not. <laughs> like, that's yeah, the best way to tell. Because humans are not all the same. We're all right. different and our genes are different and everything about us is ever so slightly different. We have a lot of similarities, but things that I respond to are things that you don't respond to. And we've talked about this before. And I think that's the same thing that it is hard to know. And then always as much as possible When there is the sensational headline of this miracle food, go find where that information came from. You don't have to read the whole research article, but, you know, if you want to. Or send us a message. (laughs) Send us a message. Yeah. So, like, go to the bottom of the disclosures and see where it came from. And then you get to decide, is this good research or is this not? Yeah, I feel like usually when someone's using a scare tactic or it sounds very extreme, that's when I want to dig a little deeper because it's like, why does this sound so scary? You know, they're trying to get clicks or they're trying to get attention. And it's like, why? Why do we have to do it this way? Can't we just share some facts and go from there? But no, everything is shared in a way that wants attention. So I don't know if people are trying to scare me out of something. I'm probably not going to be scared. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Right. Exactly. Because we can all cherry pick the information we want. Totally. You can do it in politics. You can do it in research. You can do it in anything. You can cherry pick your viewpoint because somebody else probably has it with you and you can find a way to back it up. Does that make it right? Maybe. Yeah. It's like what's right for you. I think about like how people manage their money or people manage their relationships. Like it's not all the same and it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's just what you happen to be doing and it either helps you or it's not helping you. Right. And so then you can find the information that you want to believe that. But I think the important thing is, can you stay open to other people's beliefs and to new viewpoints? That's tough when you're learning something new. People come into the nutrition space and they're not open to that at all. Right. And so it's just with life, stay open and curious because you never know. Like you might learn something that is different from your viewpoint. And it doesn't mean that you have to then change your viewpoint 100%, but you get to shift a little bit and be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And you get to be kind of like, I don't know. But I'm going to stay open to it instead of being closed and retracted. And I think that that's kind of like what's happening on a lot of viewpoints about so many things in our life is that we get in everything's divided and extreme. And yeah. And so it's like, well, let's just start to be to question it. And I think that that can be the same in this way. I don't think that the who came out with aspartame likely causes cancer lightly. They don't just do this thing. I mean, it's a huge industry 
in the United States alone and that is trying to spread to other countries. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they do. And didn't we always just... say there is no good or bad food. It's the dose. But what is the dose of aspartame? It's probably small. Yeah. Daily? Probably not. Weekly? Reasonable. Yeah. Well, especially when you factor in all the other things that you want to consume that might be on that list. Right. So it's like, what's going to be my thing today? Right. And so I think that's a component of it. Yeah. I think also a lot of people, especially when they come to us or they come into wanting to change their health or learn about nutrition, they really just want someone to give them the answers. And that's what we're teaching them is we don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. We have to teach you how to be willing and brave enough to try to figure that out for yourself. Right. On some level. Yeah. I have some background information that might be helpful yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. But I don't have the magic bullet because what works for me is not going to work for you 100%. But I have some pretty good data on some things that I think could get us in the right direction. And then we got to finagle yeah. with what we And also may not now work. you have experience, right? So it's like what you've actually seen in practice gives you more clues, right? Yeah. It's like, well, this has worked for a lot of people. Let's see if this works for you, you know? Right. But it's never a guarantee. And I think anyone that's out here being like, I can guarantee this, 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 to me, that's another red flag. <laughs> yeah. No, that's actually not true. It's sort of like how some people thrive on keto and other people lose their hair. Yeah. Those two statements can be true. Somebody can be doing amazingly well and it's so great for them. And somebody can be losing their hair and barely get themselves out of bed. And some people can say, I did keto. I've lost weight and lost my hair. And I'm okay with that. And that's their choice. <laughs> it's, it's happened. That's, that's true, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's hard for me. Right. But I because have to we be don't open. Agree with it. Yes, that's us being open. Like, hey, what, whatever floats your boat, if that's okay with you, then who am I to tell you not to do that? Who am I so. to tell you? Right. And so then it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. And I just would be like, well, I don't think it's good for hair to fall out because it's a sign that your body doesn't have what it needs. So it's getting rid of things that it deems less important. Other yeah. yeah, we don't need your hair. It's fine. <laughs> so right, 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 right. So it's like you want to look for someone that's willing to have a conversation with you, mm-hmm. who is open to learning, who's going to teach you the foundations or the education that you need to learn to try different things. Someone who's willing to meet you where you're at. I feel like we have clients that come to us at all different stages in their life. There's people that have never talked about nutrition, never learned anything about it that come to us. And there's people who have done a lot of things and have a lot of knowledge. We have to be willing to meet someone where they're at because I don't want to throw somebody into a pit where they're just going to fail right away. Right. 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 We're not upholding somebody to our standard. We're trying to level anyone up from wherever they are. Correct. If it's not us, find someone that you can get to know and that you like and feel like you can drive with. And it's all you can do. Yeah, I think that is the nature of being in a very capitalist society, which I struggle with as a whole, because it's like it's about money and it's about power. And in some of these bigger corporations and bigger lobby groups, that money goes really far and can be very persuasive for people. I mean, dietitians don't make very much money in the hospital setting. And so when they strike out on their own, they're fighting this entrepreneurial battle with everybody else. 
And so if somebody's willing to give them money to eat or pay their bills or have a better quality of life and they yeah. don't necessarily have a problem with it or a really strong opinion about it, it sounds pretty nice. Yeah. I always get bummed when someone sells out, but I'm also like, can't blame you. <laughs> yeah, they got car payments, right? You know, like. <laughs> Do you want to hear my side tangent kind of stoner thought about capitalism that I had today? <laughs> yes. An interesting descriptive. Well, because, that, yeah. well, because I was like, gosh, this does sound. Anyway, so I was at this really cool playground. It's in Round Rock called was it play for all or all for play oh but they, yeah 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 i've heard of that one yeah but it's, it has so many things and it's so fun and they have this bike track and it's been maybe nine months since we went my son's almost three and the last time we went there were things that he couldn't do or was afraid to do and so this time as i was watching him use new skills and seem braver and stronger and more able than he was nine months ago i was having an emotional moment and then the thought about capitalism came in because it's like I know. Well, this is why I called it <laughs> okay. a stoner thought because I was like, how did I get from here to here? But it was like, I was thinking about how when you're young, I mean, obviously your brain is growing at a rapid rate more so than adults because our brains at some point just slow down. But like our environment as adults is we need to produce, we need to make money, we need to support ourselves. Like at some <laughs> point in your life, like probably when you graduate high school, right, is like you then become an adult that needs to go out and make money and become a part of capitalism. But yeah. it's like, what if instead we had these like awesome playgrounds that taught us ways to grow our brain and our perspectives of the world? And like we were encouraged to do more physical activity in like fun ways and not just for weight loss. It was just like, how could we like use this playful life experience and use it more in an adult capacity where we're not just constantly preoccupied with work? I find this so fascinating because there is a brain research he does a lot of stuff on brains but he also connects it with like physical fitness he's an amazing researcher his name is dr tommy wood and he was on the british version of mark hyman dr chatterjee on his podcast so he's functional medicine in europe and Dr. Tommy Wood was on his podcast and he was just talking about this. He was like, how do brains function and how do they learn? What do they need? Well, as kids, like we fall down, we explore, we go do all these things. Like we just play in our environment and fail. And then as adults, we don't do that. And we need to keep doing that because the brain needs this constant thing. So, yes. dude, you're like lining up in the <laughs> pathway with a collective thought about brain play with Dr. Tommy. Yes. Wood. Like, where is the play in my life? It's so minimal to begin with. It's like just trying to fit it in. But watching this child play, it's like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to all be playing all the time because that's how we can learn. And he also processes emotions, right? It's like he might be happy at one point and he's saying, wee, as he's on his bike going down a hill. And another point, he's climbing a new ladder that's a little high and a little scary and he's having a full meltdown. But he's like trying to be scared and courageous. And it's all just happening in real time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't have that. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> oh, you need so to it's get like, that where, did, where did we go wrong? Use your brain, but then go out and use it to be productive and to make money or to follow the rules of society and, you know, follow do the, the things that we're supposed to do. Right. But I'm Which like, is why I artists wanna... are always considered counterculture. Yeah. They're out there still playing. But the so, wealthy yeah, I'm, people I'm buy on. their stuff and 
take consume yeah i mean that's the thing i i love money i love capitalism on some level but it's like we've gone too far too far we've gone too far this is how my brain works on days (laughs) no it's great it's great and it's I wouldn't call it a stoner brain. It's part of that like ADHD, you know, yeah. like follow the path. Like, how did we get here? And sometimes yes. you ask a ADHD child who we're having this conversation, they go way over here and it's like, how did we get there? And they can walk yeah. you all around that playground, how they got from we were here oh, yeah. to now we're here. No, my husband's like, what are you talking about? How did you get? I was like, I don't know. Is <laughs> My brain just went from here to here. Like, to me, it's logical. It's logical. Well, I sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. We'd love to see you inside of our interactive online course called Foundations, where we help you explore these ideas that we've talked about today, like what's best for you. So go to pathnutrition.com backslash foundations to learn more and sign up today. Bye. Bye.